in five, four, three. What are you doing interrupting us, John? Like, there's something. You know why I'm interrupting you? No. Because kilowatts out there waiting for me to fail, and I had to move over no matter what happened. What happened? So. Well, let's just be honest, baby. Let's let's just be honest, John. Kilowatts not the only one. Hello and welcome to Geeks Can't, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach and my hosts joining me this evening are the mayor of Fort Wayne, Troy Sandlin. Greetings, greetings one and all. <laughs> and the uh, dwarven DM, John Christian. Well, 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 well practiced wave, well, well practiced. Kazad Sakut, my friends. Uh, bless you. <laughs> and then... We've also got Mike from Epic Plane uh, Games. Our... <laughs> Come on, Zach. Hello. Come on. That was that sucked. I apologize. That was, wow. That was a. That was a. We've got you know the the dipshit white haired guy waving like like a moron. <laughs> Mussolini got, wave. Mussolini got, wave. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got John over here giving you know sneezing in the microphone, and then we've got and then we and we've got Mike. Here we go, Mike. <laughs> Mike on the mic. Mike, Mike earns the mic. his Mike earns his title uh, via the first podcast. That's how it mm. works. Oh, uh, oh, I see. So, you give it, so yeah. it's, a, it's a lackluster, lackluster intro. Well, the first it's a time clean out. slate. It's not lackluster. <laughs> it's just a clean slate from which we will affix, hang uh, his his uh, new herald rate. Yeah, <laughs> once this is all over, so yeah, it'll be good. Mike, thank you so much again. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a rough ride. Yeah. I can't wait to find out what my title is. That's right. <laughs> me either. <laughs> so let's see. Where should we start this? Um, so this is going to be one of our creator interviews. And Mike, uh, you and I kind of bumped into each other at the booth at Gary Con this year. Uh, you were... Um, you were like, uh, man, I almost said something that I was going to say like, you're like, nah, nah, we'll leave it alone. Um, <laughs> you're touting your book. You were, you were carrying around a back in your, a book in your backpack. If I recall correctly, you had some cards with you and you were just, uh, you know, knocking on doors and, uh, trying to drum up excitement, additional yeah. excitement for Tavern Tales. Yeah, that's correct. I had the only existing copy at the time, <laughs> We've since gotten our mass production copies, but uh, yeah, it was the the only one in existence uh, outside of digital versions. Uh, well, it, so it looks it looked really good. <laughs> Thank you. It looked really good. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know that I would be willing to maybe desperate times call for desperate measures, but I don't know that I would be willing to take my one and only copy of my. Uh, published book anywhere except on my shelf where it's safe and safe and sound yeah i you know it's it's like uh between the desire to show a bunch of people at the first convention that we've been to since we got it yeah versus the desire to protect the baby and i wanted to show off a little bit it's a well, calculated you know, risk. That's what that's what it's a calculated yeah. risk. And, and in today's world, who knows? I mean, we know now, but who know, Who knew if you were going to get additional copies of that book printed anytime soon? Right, so that, right. 
that was uh, that book could have been worth its weight in gold. One lucky backer <laughs> receives their. Uh... <laughs> yes. oh. So yeah, so you were you're touting this book. Uh, you had your cards with you, and then uh, we kind of struck up a conversation, and then you 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 revealed tavern tales uh, to us, and. Gosh darn it! If it wasn't the one of the most gorgeous uh, third-party five ebooks I have seen in a very long time. Um, Thank you so much. Sh- shockingly good, uh, and that that's there's a lot of good stuff out there. So that's not me saying, "Oh, there's a lot of trash." So we're surprised. It's like there's it's just hard to be. I think it's actually the opposite. Like right now, we're kind of in this stage where. There's a lot of good 5e stuff. Yeah. A it, lot. And it's interesting, too, because not to like too dig too into it, but I've thought about this before, how I remember a time whenever only the big publishers could make really make something look good or uh, or appeal yeah. to you, like, kind of like shelf appeal. You're walking down the game aisle, and you knew who the big publishers were, and they were few and far between for the most part. Nowadays, though, it's really hard to tell the difference between the the multi-million dollar corporations that are churning out content versus the independent creators that are working Mm. with other independent creators to put together really, really good looking stuff. And I think I I said off show with with Mike before, this is a gorgeous book. I I wasn't even there to see it physically, but I'm I'm just I was we kind of got a a pre-show copy to look over. And that's pretty much what I've done with my day. Is is read through it, and uh, I mean, just uh, at first flush. If I saw this on a shelf, it would catch my eye just mm-hmm. with the cover, and then I'd start flipping through it, and I just it's eye candy from one end of the of the book to the other. And that, and what's even better about that? It's like, you know, a good song is great. The hook is is good, but what makes a song really really good are the lyrics. And so <laughs> once you get into the actual content of the book. You start reading through it. You know that it's not all flash. It's not just a really great artist and a really great layout and designer. There's really good content that's in here too. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, it's uh, it's so so. Let, let's do this before we get too far into that. Uh, so you got this Escape Plan Games publishing house that you've you've put together. Tavern Tales is the title of the book. Talk to us about where did, is this your first book? And also what is the, what was the inspiration for this book in particular? Yeah. So Tavern Tales is our first uh, project. Um, The inspiration for it was kind of just, um, I've worked in the film business for the last um, 15 years or so. And our Mm -hmm. schedule is very, very time consuming. I've been on a television show, so I work 12, 13 hour days, five days a week. And, um, I was trying to run games in addition to that as a dungeon master. And a lot of times, because just because I, I was so hour intensive at work, I didn't write a lot of my own stuff, didn't homebrew a lot. So I was really relying on like DMs guild and third party publishers and things like that. But the, issue that I kind of ran into with that was there was really no like 
through line to a lot of the stuff I was putting together. I was still having to do work to kind of tie everything in and make the players feel like they were existing in the same world and uh, things like that. So the idea for Tavern Tales really was like, let's give DMs a tool that they can drop in wherever they want with a bunch of different quests that all kind of start at the tavern, um, a bunch of NPCs that are all tavern regulars and characters that they can get to know. And then the DM can turn to that whenever they need to uh, get a little extra time to write something in their campaign or uh, if they just don't want to do a huge amount of prep that week um, and just offer them a quick, easy out for those things that also still has enough of a through line that it all feels like it's in the same place. And Tavern just seemed so sensible because it is so easy to just drop into wherever you need to put it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I would note though, that there is the Tavern itself is, you know, droppable. It, it does have a unique pitch. It's called a uh, trip away in Rin in right and it's kind yeah. of this like a uh, carnival theme yeah. presentation so it's not your standard tavern and the quests right. aren't always your standard you know fetch quests or you know guards right. for a caravan sort of a thing there's some bizarre stuff in here as well so yes it is a drag and drop into anything but it's not like it's not just your standard fare i guess is where i'm getting at yeah, the tavern itself kind of revolves around this ex-circus character who was kind of loosely based uh, on, like, the Flying Melendas, so, like, high-flying acts in the circus that got sick of the circus life and took a few of his friends, or a few of their friends, and then brought them to um, this place and designed this tavern. Uh, and the circus also comes to town. That's part of what's in the book is that Flip's uh, family comes to visit and brings the circus with them. So that's something you can kind of draw into the tavern. Um, so the tavern itself is kind of themed around this ex-circus performer's life. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. And and then, so so I'm just going to kind of walk through my bullet points and fellows yell at me if, if I say something that you want to... Mm-hmm you want to perch on or, or add to, but a couple things that I like about this. So anytime I'm looking at something like this, that is a bunch of adventures. Um, I'm looking at, all right, so you're doing adventures, but what do you mean by an adventure? Because sometimes people say adventures and they mean quest hooks or outlines or bare bones. Um, sometimes when you're saying an adventure, maybe that means maps. Maybe it's an adventure built around a map. Um, what are you doing for creatures? How do you, anyhow, there's a lot of different things that can come into it. To me, um, I think that this is a very balanced book. Um, it's got a lot of different stuff in it, but by balanced, I mean that I love that I flip through this and I see a lot of creatures from the monster manual popping in and out. Um, anytime a book chooses to, hmm, navigate those waters just as much as their own is good for me because uh it's giving the dm a base point of understanding and it's letting them use a book that's already on their shelf um so i like i I like that but also 
gosh, there's so many stat blocks and magic items and new stuff kind of to kind of punch up the adventure um, that I see all throughout here. Um, and the ones that I've read are really cool. Like a lot of the creatures have cool reactions and, mm-hmm. and special abilities and things that I think will make them really fun to run. Um, so bonus actions even tucked away into some of these creatures, which is great. Um, so there's a lot of stuff there. And then the other part of the adventure storytelling that I really liked is you got these icons that kind of allow you to quickly communicate uh, aspects of the story without having to repeat yourself and over, over, over again. You got little icons for dialogue. You got icons for traps and locks and loot and combat and mechanics and all these things that clue your DM in that, hey, there's something here that's special without having to either be, you know, have them figured out by reading three paragraphs before they realize they were re- reading a trap description <laughs> or, yeah. um, or conversely having to say the same thing over and over again. This is a trap. Let's get into it. I love that you put those icons on the maps. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The, the uh, icon thing was kind of like my partner, my business partner on the book kind of offhand said, Hey, do you think that this idea would be useful? And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I don't know why we are so tied into this traditional format for adventures when so much gets hidden in the, the block texts. And mm-hmm. like yes. you're saying, so little is left off of the maps. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at that, at that first map that you kind of get the example of, you know, there's the, you know, it's got it's got a lock on it. It's got a trap on it. It's you know, you want to say this. You know, this over here when somebody goes and checks that out, it's it's like you're in a video game, exploring a room, and when you go and you click on something, that keys something else, and that's what this to me this does. You know, the DM's going to have the map, their copy of the map on their side of the screen. And as soon as they see somebody move their token over or, or they say, I'm going to go check out that chest, bing. And then they can do whatever is associated with that. And I, I, I love that. It, it, it goes back to like, it's like when you see normal maps and they have the little box with the T in it so that you know that there's a trap. Mm-hmm. But this gives, it goes steps beyond, not just one, but goes steps beyond to give those maps uh a real use and vibrancy beyond just showing you where you're at. Well, it's an event trigger. Yeah. It's an event trigger. It's an event trigger. I I think that's really, really smart. You don't have to use it. You don't even have to put it in the place where they want you to, or where the words it's indicated necessarily, but it is a visual cue to the DM as a reminder of like, Oh God, that's right. There's this thing that was supposed to happen here. I don't have enough time for it. I'll have to do it somewhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can make the decision on the fly and it's not like it's, you know, it's not twisting your arm to do it, but I, that's that we did that a lot back in the day with, with maps. And I feel like that's something that's lost. That nuance is lost over time. Cause I remember secret door and trap and uh, like the different encounter icons that you'd have on the old, the old blue and white maps and stuff like that. And, and um, they're gorgeous. Now they're like, where they're light years prettier than they were back mm-hmm. in the day, but functionality, I feel like there's a little bit of nuance that's been lost in that, that I think they're kind of, you're gaining ground on by 
by adding these legends, this uh, these this icons to the maps themselves. I really like that. Yeah. As a DM, it, help, it would help me. Exactly. Help me remember. Yeah, the idea, I think, was to make it so that the... I always feel like when I'm reading adventures, they're a great guide, but like if you're trying to use them in play, you're constantly trying to find things. Mm-hmm. And those icons were our answer to uh, trying to find them. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So then whenever it comes... I'm going to go a little bit more basic on mine. Whenever you have... The, the seed of an idea or the genesis point of an idea for a, for something that you want to build. First of all, for a first outing, this is this is a lot. We're all looking at like almost 300 pages of content yeah. to put together. Let me ask you this. First of all, how much did you already have like a collection of things that you'd you'd uh, that you'd uh, compiled over time that you'd worked on, little bits and pieces, scraps of paper inside of a notebook versus no, I'm starting from scratch and I'm going to build the whole thing. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the whole thing on blocks and starting from from, uh, from the beginning. Yeah, we pretty much built the book from the ground up. Um, mm-hmm. A few of our friends uh, were involved, and then we hired a lot of people out in the D&D community to work on the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, like, the only thing that existed when we put the book together was um, our friend Josh Knapp had the loose idea for the tavern, and the NPC, a few of the NPCs inside of the tavern, um, and we made up a document that we kind of expanded a little bit just to give the writers to say this is the place, mm-hmm. these are this is the staff. Uh, we want you to write some stories that have to do that start in the tavern. Uh, we want them to be tavern regulars. Uh, and if you want to use any of the staff, go ahead. Nobody actually wanted to use the staff. I'm kind of surprised about that one still. Uh, and then we had individual writers for each of the adventures. Uh, and then um, Colin and I both wrote an adventure. And then we really just started building it from the ground up at that point. Yeah, that's interesting. So the next question, like you answered a little bit of it, I think, already. But if, you, if you're saying you're going to start it from the very from, from scratch – then how do you plot? What's your? How do you map that out? Right? Is it like well, here's our table of contents? These are definitely the things that we want, or they, these are like the like the things in it, the the categories of things that we want to we want to tackle in this book. It's, is it, if it's all adventures, it could have easily just been an adventure book, and that's it. But you've got the tavern itself, you got merchants, you've got yeah. uh, so you got like tons and tons of NPCs that are in here, like the different player stalls and stuff like that are incorporated into it. How did you? Like that's really that's interesting to me. It's like where do you start, right? Yeah. And how do you map that whole thing out, especially if you've got multiple people that are working on this kind of all playing in the same pool together? Uh, yeah, actually, there's there's a few different answers to that question. Really, uh, sp- specifically, what you mentioned, the merchant stalls came out of the art for the tavern. Hmm. Uh, when we saw the exterior that ended up being the cover of the book the artist just drew in these merchant stalls leading up to the tavern. And Mm. like, I immediately hooked into that and said, Mm -hmm. we need to make that a part of the mechanics of the game. Um, As far as other bits and pieces, it started with just the adventures. I knew that I wanted to do tavern uh, games Mm -hmm. and we knew we wanted special, special events. Mm -hmm. Um, And then 
when we were trying to come up with Kickstarter stretch goals or, or Kickstarter uh, pledge levels, we thought that it would be cool to allow um, some of the backers to design like a tavern regular. And mm. that's how those came to be as a section of the book. But originally the, the skeleton of it was really just um, a bunch of people that visit the tavern often that have the adventures attached to them, the staff, uh, and then knowing that we had the circus, it was going to be, we got to design the circus and then maybe some other like kind of events and games. And that was kind of where we started. Mm. Well, begun. what is it? Well begun is half done is what they yeah. say. It's just a matter of getting the momentum and going with it. That's the hardest part for me. A lot of the times oh, so yeah. if I'm ever yeah. making anything or creating anything is like trying to figure out where do you, where do you begin? You know, and yeah. like there's there's so much. It's even worse with for me looking at this. There's so many things that are going to be encapsulated in the product mm-hmm. that it's it's easy to get drowned in all yeah. of the different things that you have to that it encompasses, uh, and then trying to work with the different creators to keep it cohesive. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I think that Watsy's had a hard time with. Not to beat yeah. them up too bad, but. You know, they got a lot of cooks in the kitchen these days in these books. And you can see that there are some there are gaps in stylistic differences and counter choices. Some of the the things like I'm looking at, like I'm not gonna beat up Rhyme of the Frost Maiden anymore, I swear. But even in, in <laughs> Wild Beyond the Witchlight, you can see that there were mul- lots of people that were working on it together. And there was like a there's this lack of overall cohesion at times it was kind of choppy and herky jerky and one thing didn't really make a whole lot of sense here and you can kind of tell it was just bolted on by another person so uh I'll, additional kudos i haven't read it like from cover to cover yet but from what i see so far at least there is there's a, there's a harmonic across it to where it does cohese really well together too yeah i think a lot of that happened in um we had a really great editor. Allo Clark went over everything a lot. And then in that editing phase of the book, we also tried to finesse some of the stories together a mm-hmm. little bit more. Like it was like, Hey, there's a cobalt over here. Can this cobalt be the same cobalt in this story? And can we kind of make some of these characters, the same people? So a lot of that happened in the editing phase of the book um, hmm. with kind of the three of us, Colin and, Allo and I going through and like kind of talking about Allo would like bring up stuff to us and we'd try to finesse that. But yeah, I, it was, that was a, a large part of the last stages of the book that we went through. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, that little bit of extra touch to, uh, that's a, sometimes, well, let me, let me back up. That is a major kudos to your editor, right? Um, because there are editors yeah. and then there are editors, right? There's someone who can go through the book and say, yeah, it reads pretty good. And then <laughs> there's somebody who can go through and with an eye for storytelling and game design and say, here are the things that we can do to weld this game together and make it feel like a cohesive whole and where this, these interesting mechanics can shine or these interesting NPCs you can use them multiple times and all that. And that's, you said his name's, their, their name is Olo Clark. Uh, yep. kudos to them very much so for, for taking the time to be the, the, uh, to make the icing on the cake. Yeah. And we did, there were a number of different editors on each of the stories cause we kind of split it up, but, uh, mm-hmm. Alo came in at the end and he really proofread and, 
did like a final pass edit on the whole book. So that's really where that stuff really happened. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, another thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, to me, it, it, to me, these are the things that tell me that communicate a book that was very intentionally designed. All the uh, stat blocks in the book are very interesting because they have some little touches, little reworks to them that I think really help with legibility, with clarity, and with quick reference. Um, you've highlighted in a meaningful way, kind of brought them out and given them their own icons, uh, armor class hit points and speed so that they're very easily picked up. We all know where those things sit in the typical stat block, but for a new DM or someone who's, you know, just quickly referencing, those things can get lost in the long list of things that are going on. You've really emboldened those and brought them up. You've also, um, I saw another section where there was a spellcaster stat block, and you did a great job kind of like drawing attention to spell save DCs and things like that. Um, and then on abilities, one thing that was that when I read it, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Um, you have any time that a monster has an ability that has a saving throw built into the ability, you went ahead and bold, emboldened that test. So DC 16 charisma saving throw. That's in bold in the ability. We already do that. Like, Watsy's already doing that in the adventure text sometimes, especially like in Adventures League and things. Mm-hmm. But but they never carried it over into the stat block. And I think it's so great. Again, it's just these little touches that make it just that percentage more easy to reference. But they really take someone who's intentional and thorough with the uh, design philosophy to, to even think to do something like this. So... I don't know. Like these are the types of things that when I see them, I I can then trust that the rest of the book has has just as much care. It makes me believe in the whole product just by looking at a stat block. Yeah, that uh, my partner who did the layout. Um, a lot of that was him, and I think that um, honestly, a lot of that happened because Colin has not read a ton of like Watsy material and stuff. Mm. So he started coming to me saying. Because we're like looking at the style guide and going, should we follow the style guide? And he starts coming to me saying, well, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing this? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's just not how it's done. And he said, well, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? I said, I I, I don't know. It's our first book. Should we stick to the style guide? And he's like, no, it looks ugly and I don't like it. And we can make this way easier for DMs. And I said, you know what? I I can't argue with that. Like again, I'm so sick of getting books from a major publisher that are not good for using at the table. Mm-hmm. Like you want me to get your adventure to the table, but you're not giving me easy tools to use. Like those were simple adjustments that just make it easier to find information that you need quickly. Yes. Yeah, no uh, no fifth generation pipe banger here. My daddy banged this pipe. His daddy banged this pipe. Why do you bang it? Because they told me that because that's what we do. That's what we do. And so I think that we've said that before on the show that like new players are like that at the table where you have the veteran players that have been playing in multiple editions or been playing fifth edition forever. And everything that's on their character sheet is really all they're thinking that they can do. Whereas mm-hmm. the the player the new player comes in fresh off the boat and says, "Can I do this? 
and it's completely off the page. And you're like, yeah, you should totally do that. And so I think that when you when you bring in new people with a f- completely fresh approach to it, we're so close. Our, our faces are just so close to the problem. And we're, we feel like we're so beholden to tradition sometimes. We're like, well, that's just the way that we do things around here. Mm-hmm. You know? If it's not on the it's not on the sheet, well, you, you just kind of, kind of do that. Then we ended up putting ourselves into a straitjacket. And yeah. it uh, and so so good for you. It's it's a leap of faith to trust that. Well, I, not everybody's going to be familiar with this method, but like, let's see if they how much they how much they like it and how much they actually enjoy it. So that speaks a lot to not you were not just con- committed to like to doing the thing. It's like you were going to do it your way, and mm-hmm. that's that's a risk a lot of the time, right? So I, I think it worked out in this case. I really do. Thanks. I agree. It looks it looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, I only have one easy. problem. Oh. <laughs> um. Not to pick nits here, but there are not enough dwarves in this. <laughs> oh, there's only there's only one dwarf in this whole thing. She's I awesome. I love her, uh, and she's redheaded too. So I mean. Right on, uh, but there need to be more dwarves. And uh, let me—I'll tell you this too. I, I immediately, or Troy and Zach know exactly what's up. Whenever I say this, but I immediately gravitated towards drinks and food options that were available because I'm such a food and drink nerd from the Middle Ages and beers and different kinds of like mead and and you know mm-hmm. fermented drinks. Um, so I immediately went to that and uh, like the little menu items. I thought that was cool too. Um, so, uh, well done on that as well, uh, and they're good. I really, I like, I, I like. I want to, I want to park on that for a minute because yeah, I ahead. think, I think I talked to you during this camp, during your Kickstarter campaign. Did I not? Did I not? Oh. I emailed you. Yeah, maybe you did. Yes, because I told you that we talked about your your uh, Kickstarter on the show. Oh, okay. And uh, and I I backed it. I backed I backed your Kickstarter and yes I've looked at your uh, your drink recipes and because I am a mixologist I, I am a craft bartender oh awesome by trade and we talked about that for like a little bit in, in you know email oh yes I do remember this yeah mm-hmm. yeah and uh, the Elven Aerialist is very tasty because <laughs> um, it, it was fun because like to read the description of it. And then to to look back at what I have available to me at the bar, it's like I think it would be this and this and this, and it uh, and it makes a like like it says right there a, a a riff on the aviation, and it and it came out really good. And the fact that you have a a, a flip on the menu, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, uh, golf clap. Yeah, well done. Yeah, uh, it, and it it makes sense that it's a dwarven flip too. Because only yes. a dwarf would be that gross, putting that kind of thing in their body. Oh, that is a little not bit more true. protein on this one, and that then toss is, an egg in it for good measure. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are some some tasty beverages. Well, wow. we went out. Uh, we actually went out and found ourselves uh, a mixologist that played D anD. d That's how we got those right. drinks. That's right cool. On. Yeah, right, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to prove it to me then, Troy. Because right. putting a raw egg in this thing does not sound appealing to me all right. at all, and that's like I've got a beard, uh-huh. so I don't uh-huh. know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. Well, I mean, so 
Mike, tell me a little bit. So you 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 concocted this this tavern, and you 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 had the ideas, and you talked about grabbing people to write for it um, afterwards. But let's talk a little bit um, about the process of taking this to Kickstarter. Um, what? Yeah, was that was that a platform that you were familiar with already, and it just was a natural like knee jerk kind of a fit, or how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, I personally have backed a bunch of Kickstarters. Um, a lot of the third party D and D content I get through Kickstarters and stuff. Um, third party tabletop RPG content in general, really. Um, mm-hmm. It was terrifying. Uh, I did. Colin and I did as much research as we could beforehand, but it was incredibly scary. Um, but it seemed like the avenue to go because it seemed like the avenue most people were going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt like we got some good advice and we got some bad advice, depending on who we were kind of talking to. Mm. Um, I, I'm much, much more excited to do uh, the next one than this one because now having the knowledge changes so much. Give yeah. us give us an example of a piece of good advice and give us a piece uh, give us an example of a piece of bad advice that you remember. Give me two uh, examples of bad advice actually if you don't mind. Yeah. Well yeah. the number one biggest bad advice that we got uh, was ask for less than you need. Mm. Oh Gross. Just yeah. to, to make sure. the uh, to make the uh, goal on the first day. Uh-huh. Um, another, I mean, that was really the one that stuck out to me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we got steered uh, to some bad places for marketing department stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I would have handled a lot more of it myself, and I felt like we lost some money to having other people handle some of our marketing. Um, Mm -hmm. And as far as good advice, email list uh, was the main one. Uh, We had almost no mailing list at the time um, and building that up helped us a ton. Um, And cross promos also helped us out a ton. A lot of people Mm -hmm. told us to cross promote with uh, other Kickstarters. Those are great great pieces of advice uh by and large that 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 sounds really great so um uh talk uh and we won't we won't pry for all your secrets and tips and tricks but just to get into (laughs) the weeds for a moment here so you talked about building a mailing list and we've had somebody talk or ask about that before a few months ago so I'll, i'll i'll pick that thread for a moment what did you do to build your mailing list uh we have been developing um, a tabletop Western RPG for a while. Mm-hmm. So some of it came from us running games at conventions and stuff. Um, that was really the core of where it started. And then uh, we kind of just blasted those people and said, hey, how many of you might be interested in this? And then uh, Facebook lead ads uh, hitting a lot of different chat rooms and uh, message boards and stuff like that and just saying here's a little preview of what we're doing if you're interested we're going to have a kickstarter soon mm-hmm. um we didn't spend a ton of money on facebook lead ads but we got a lot of emails that way uh but that also took a lot of research on my part on figuring out how to how that all works and stuff mm-hmm. it's it's a little complicated at first but if you really stick with it you can 
kind of navigate those waters. Mm-hmm. Right on. Mm-hmm. And once you and, do it once, you're good. Yeah. You can, you know how to do it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So the, the, the last thing tied to the book that I've got a question on is right at the very beginning on the cover of the PDF, at least you say volume one, a trip away in. And I always appreciate, uh, uh, a, a a publisher, uh, any publisher, has the balls to put volume one on their book cover because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, it was a uh, it was a topic of conversation, yeah, for a lot for a while, and I think we really finally just said script. You know what happens if we don't make another one? Who got? It's not like we're going to get punished. Yeah, <laughs> but the idea is to say. Our intention is to make more of these. If you like yeah. these, we want to give you more of this style of book. It was a real yeah. Zemeckis move, by the way. That, that, <laughs> that end of ba- into the Back to the Future to be continued. Well, Shrug, I don't know. Maybe we're film, we're film people, so you know we got to go right. theatrical. Right on. Right. 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 <laughs> well, I, I knew you could get that deep cut. The Zemeckis. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Like, this is cool. Um, yeah, Troy brought this up um, during a Kickstarter a while back. I mean, I, I don't recall when exactly you guys went to uh, Kickstarter when this was live, but it's been a while now. Yeah, it's been um, about a year, I think, mm-hmm. almost exactly. May 15th. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It funded yeah. May 15th. So, yeah, it's probably been about a year since it launched. Um Absolutely. You know, so. we went there. That's the thing about the Kickstarter. That's another thing that I will say is however much work you think your book is going to be, double and triple it because mm-hmm. you get – we thought we were hitting Kickstarter and we're like, oh, we're almost done with this. And we were not. <laughs> and Yes. You you live and you learn, I guess. But it was like we felt very prepared. We felt like we were very close to the end of the road on the book. And then we learned that lesson very quickly that we were not. And the editing and all that stuff, proofreading, putting it together into the layout, like that mm-hmm. stuff takes real time. And our layout artist is my business partner who had never laid out a book before and taught himself – with this book to do layout. We had help from a friend who's a graphic designer who kind of guided him and uh, talked him through some of the program and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that was great. job, By the way. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Kudos. I would not have guessed this was his first one. Yeah. Yeah. I I keep, I keep, I sound like a broken record. I keep saying like, Oh my God, the first time this is your first book. This is 300 pages on your first one. Then you've, Never done layout, never done design. This is this is a lot. This is a lot to tackle. Yeah, yeah it felt like a lot when we got into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <clears throat> well, um, so we're going to wrap up here. I'm going to give our friends uh, in chat a moment to post questions if they need. Uh, but while they're doing that, uh, Mike, uh, if you would like to take a moment here, if you have upcoming projects that you want to pitch – or if you've got places, websites, social media that you want to send people, go ahead and uh, let that fly. Uh, yeah, you can find uh, our website, www.eplangames, is where you can find uh, pre-orders for the book. And if you want to get a PDF, the PDF copies are available now. 
Um, there's a link to our Shopify store on there, and that'll get you the PDF right away. Um, you can find us on Twitter at ePlan Games. Um, we in the pipeline right now. Uh, we are starting the very early stages of our next project. Um, we're going to put a pause on Tavern Tales for this next one, and we're going to do a straight-up uh, campaign adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might get in trouble for, for spilling this a little bit, but uh, it is uh, a pirate adventure nice. that has to do with you and your group being hired to take uh, to take a ransom to broker a peace deal with uh, a neighboring country. And it's, the adventure is going to be getting from your country to theirs to try to broker this peace deal. That's awesome. Ooh, okay. And it's awesome. going to be on the water, island topping pirate adventure. Nice. nice. You know, there is... I think that there is a a hidden majority of campaigns that start out as island hopping um, because you can do so much there, and so that's a great that's a great idea. Um, I'll, I'll look forward to it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing in chat uh, our our mod is saying uh, has posted the twitter.com forward slash eplan games and facebook.com forward slash eplan games as well. If people want to follow you on social mm-hmm. media, is there any place else that you would uh, send folks? Uh, I think that's all of our socials. You can find me at Mikey the Kid on Twitter. Um, yeah, it should be a, mostly our our main Twitter page. Is I think we got your title. We do most of our talking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> now, now, okay. So I, 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 I guess I'm gonna have to ask this last thing. You mentioned it before. It's on your website, so I don't feel bad about making you talk about it again. Um, you've got a uh, uh, a Western game called To Live and Die um, in the works. Talk to me yeah. about that just briefly. Yeah, I want to hear about this Western. Yeah, so that's how the company actually formed. We got together because I had this. Uh, I basically thought felt that any westerns that exist in the TP- TTRPG space right now are either weird west or traditional wild west that is a system that is so incredibly complicated you have to calculate bullet drop and all this <laughs> stuff and. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of in between and yeah, you can hack deadlands to be traditional Western or whatever, but we just wanted to design a system from the ground up that was based around gunplay that felt pretty dangerous, but was still accessible to like a D and D player. Mm. Okay. And those rules are available for free. Like we would love to hear feedback from people about how they feel about the system. Let's be let's be fair here. You say rules, but there is a ton of resources on your website. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is. I see the basic rules, character sheets, NPC sheets, dueling rules. A reference guide is coming soon. Uh, then some pre-gen characters for law enforcement and outlaws. There's a map pack, and then maybe a little adventure. Is that yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, right? that's correct. Yep. Dang. Because mostly that was that was the stuff the the adventures are the stuff that we were running at Gen Con and kind of all the resources mm-hmm. we were using at Gen Con to run it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, you can have access to all that. The, the adventure is not super long. It's maybe like yeah. a two, three hour adventure, uh, mm-hmm. but you've got enough tools to, to really play around in the system that we designed and we're still tweaking. Um, mm-hmm. That's really our ultimate passion project, but we kind of felt like 5e D&D book was an easier sell than a brand new system to people for our first project. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're always working on that in the background and that's really our baby. So yeah, if people play that, I would love to hear what you think. Fascinating. Uh, is it a 3d6 system? Is that what it is? No, it is a, it is basic role play, but using a D20. So it's, Mm. Uh, call Cthulhu, but done on a D20 instead. So roll low. Uh, and we incorporated those. So basically what we did was using that whole idea of like different success levels, we translated that into the gunplay. And like when you're aiming at stuff that will help determine where you're hitting. So you can Mm. take shots and called shots and we use that success level to determine if you, you know, bullseye what you're aiming for. Ooh, that's really cool. Right on. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to check this out. So right, that, that's too. really cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we're going to have to have you back sometime. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Thank, thank you so you. much for having me. This was a great time. Oh, well, uh, fellas, uh, I was going to – I had a feeling um, about halfway through that we, we can call Mike the, the ringleader. Um, <laughs> the ringmaster. The ringmaster, ring yeah, exactly, for uh, for his his title on later shows. But we'd love to have you back on, and uh, and maybe we'll talk about another Tavern Tales or a, or a or Western. Or you, you, you know, I think we, what, what should happen, mm. I think – now that he's been titled, <laughs> he should he should offer to run to live and die for us. Oh, I could absolutely do that. <laughs> I think I, I would mean, love to do that. Yeah, that might maybe. be. Uh, maybe we'll get that. We could maybe definitely we'll we could put that together for yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk after the show, and maybe we'll put something together because our, uh, okay. our 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 listeners like to have a, a live play every once in a while, and mm-hmm. this is right up our alley. I think. Oh, this excellent. Yeah, I would love that. that. Would be a great time. I have been yeah. wanting ever since I was a kid, and they came out with and TSR came out with Boot Hill. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. never got to play Boot Hill, but I've always wanted to play uh, a Western style. TTRPG that wasn't, you know, Weird West or like you said, so crunchy that you, yeah. You know. But yeah, the only question where I can is, pretend like, you know, what? Who's going to be? The, ever, there's always at least one Doc Holiday at the table. You got to figure out who it's going to end up being. <laughs> the first gonna, one to say, "I'm your Huckleberry." I guess they, is, we're is gonna, it, we're, right? We're, yeah, we're I gonna, think that's. Uh, are we going to Rochambeau for it? Or? I don't think so. <laughs> say when. Say, just say when. Say when. You mad cap. All right. Well, hey, uh, thank you again, Mike. Thanks to Troy. Thanks to John. Uh, thanks to all our viewers. Uh, I'm going to miss somebody here, but thanks to Craig. Thanks to Kill a Lot. Thanks to OX, another TT viewer, Basic Math, Bryn, uh, Cabbage Dodger, Casino Thanks, Commander Root, Dose Fiend, Girk, uh, Hefsky, Jack B. Nimble, Lori Pub, Lurks, and uh, let's see, Dope. Uh, there's probably some others that I am missing, but thanks a lot, everybody, for keeping it lively. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Yeah, thanks. All right. Well, we'll be on again with another live stream on Tuesday. 
Um, and I think in the meantime, you can head over to YouTube and see what's dropping live uh, or live or, or on our How to Play series over there. Um, until then, I guess we'll see you next time. Play great games, everybody. Stay safe. Enter a world steeped in mythos and saturated with strife. Mayan Epics, the twin gods apocalypse from World of Game Design, offers an explosive and primal play experience unlike any other. Travel amid rough jungle paths, swim through hallowed cenotes, and skirt against the underworld itself in the last days of a civilization on the brink of apocalypse. The days are numbered. And the dangers are real. It's a race against the calendar as you take advantage of the Mayan peculiarities of time, ritual magic, and the will of the gods to satisfy the great imbalance of this or any age. Inspired by the historical civilization of ancient Maya, Twin Gods Apocalypse contains an entire system-neutral setting filled with wonders of the natural world, the heavens above, and the underworld down below. Available now at store.wogd.com, and there's a link in the show notes. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook, give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed, uh, give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube, and you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Stream ended. <laughs> I, 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 you notice I had to simplify it even further by saying two words. Just stay, stay safe. safe.